everybody, welcome to Busy Living Soba. Busy Living Soba. Busy Living Soba, episode 256 with Dana Ruperti. Did I say it right? I didn't say it right. Roberti with the B. Roberti. It's okay. <laughs> Dana Roberti. I'm so excited because we have been talking, I think, years now yeah. via social media. We mm-hmm. send each other messages and then we email each other. And I'm so excited because especially after what happened when you were just away on vacation, I just think it's, you have a relatable story right. and a lot of people can learn from what your life has been like. Cause how long have you been sober? Six and a half years. Six and a half years. Yeah. And what was it like? And what is it like now? And you know, what happened and let us tell us your story. Um, what it was so I'm from Connecticut I don't know where to start but I'm from Connecticut um I grew up here I have um three kids I've been married for gosh like 32 years my husband is 15 years sober um and so I've been sober six and a half years um and I grew up with three brothers um my parents they were not alcoholics. Um, and I always, I'm always like, where does the alcoholism fall in my family? But you know, it's like everybody, there's always somebody that's an alcoholic in a family. So whether it was a grandmother or uncle, or I'm always asking my mom who she thinks it might be, but, um, you know, and I, I, I just, I figured I have to, I finally stopped asking myself why, like, why me? Cause I was just with my brother and he could not have a beer. He could have one beer and he's good. Um, so, um, yeah, so I, I live in Madison, Connecticut and I have, my son is 31. He just had a baby Reed who is 10 weeks old, who I love and they live near us. So I'm so lucky. Um, just five minutes away. And then my daughter Carly is out in Seattle. And then my youngest Cameron just graduated college. Um, and so, you know, my husband, um, what it was like. I never drank, you know, I was not a drinker. I just never drank. I just wasn't like, I just didn't like it. I don't know why I just, um, I wasn't around it. I had friends that would drink, you know, you do like the keg parties on a weekend, but I never, um, I was never drawn to it. Um, and then even in my late twenties, I just, you know, I remember when I had my son, I had a glass of white Zinfandel and I was just like, Oh, this is awful. So I just never was a big drinker or, you know, drugs. I just, I was always afraid. I was like, always like, oh, I don't want to try that. It's going to make me weird. I was always, um, you know, not that I was a good girl. I wasn't, but I was, I was kind of sassy. My mom said, and kind of bratty, I guess when I was younger. Um, and then I got married. We had Brandon, um, you know, and I was just your typical mom just doing, um, you know, football, dance, brownies, all that stuff. Um, and then we live in a town that's very, um, like I'm sure a lot of towns, you know, the moms go to baseball games with cups of wine and I never did that. But then my friend came, you know, my youngest daughter was two months old and we were at my son's baseball game. My friend came and she had a big tumbler full of wine. So that's kind of just what we did. Um, and then it just kind of eased for me. It just kind of made me feel a little bit less anxious drinking, um, not that I was shy, but I just, I guess 
there was a group of women in town that um, I always wanted to be part of, almost like when you're a little kid, like a middle school, you want to be in like the popular girls. And I was friends with them and I was friends with spinoff friends and then I got to be friends, but they would just drink every night, you know, they would have the kids running around and, um, and so then I started doing that every night and I was just, and I knew, and I, so I would drive drunk, which is, you know, terrible. Um, and I just exposed, especially my youngest daughter. And, um, you know, we just go to her, my friend's house and make the kids pasta and let them run around and drink our wine and, you know, talk about people in town and talk about kids. It, just nothing, nothing nice, just nothing, nothing redeemable. So Dana, I want to ask you something, because I know this isn't your husband's story, so we're not going to tell his story, but we're going to tell yeah. story. but he was now when he was drinking all along because he got sober nine years before you did. Yeah. I mean, was it were you just like, OK, he's just doing his thing. It's not a big deal or. Yeah. You, or you have a problem and we need to get you help. Yeah, he just um, he he was just a regular old drinker, you know, and then. I didn't know anything about alcoholism. I just really didn't. And he would drink um, and he finally, you know, he works, we have a family, he has a family business, a car dealership. So finally somebody kind of did an intervention on him, his parents and stuff. And so he went to rehab for a month. Um, and what and were you doing? What were you thinking? I know, I was just, I remember my mother-in-law calling me. I was going out walking with my girlfriend. She's like, we need to talk. So I was like, ah, so I found out he went to rehab and I had, you know, two teenagers and my nine-year-old at home. Um, and I remember bringing him to rehab and he was there for a month and came out. And, and I kind of remember thinking like, oh my gosh, is that the end of my drinking? You know, I was just, I didn't know how I was, now that I'm an AA and I'm an alcoholic, I, I was a really bad, um, I was not a good wife when he came home. I was not supportive. I still went out with my friends. I still did. I just didn't know any better. You know, I wish somebody had kind of grabbed me and said, go to Al-Anon and it'll make things better. Uh, I just didn't know about it. And maybe I didn't want to know about it. Right. And he just, and he went on his way and started doing, like he changed himself and yeah. went embraced this 12-step thing and said I'm going to do this and never relapsed again and wow. isn't that awesome yeah he just went he went to AA got sponsor um you know and he just and then he gradually saw me decline um so, so you know for him yeah and I then I started you know I started drinking thinking I was hiding drinking from everybody but you know you think you're drinking but you're not I mean you're hiding it everybody know um so I, I was not a supportive wife because I just didn't know any better. Um, I wish I had known better, but, and yeah, he's still, he's still sober. And when you say like, it's like you did the best you can do, but when you're not educated, which is one of the things why we do busy living so right, right. because we want to educate everybody else that's out there. And did you go to the family program? Did they tell you there? Like maybe you should go to, no. No, I, I went, I, I did go to one family program um, at the rehab. And I just remember sitting around other wives and husbands and I was just like, this is just awful. You know, I was just thinking about myself. I was like, this is just the worst thing. Um, Cause I was like, oh my God, my husband's an alcoholic. Like I was, I was more concerned about what people would think and about me instead of, you know, what he was going through. Um, so yeah, he, you know, I just kept moving along drinking and, you know, he, 
he was getting better and I was getting worse, <laughs> you know? So my kids had one dad, one parent that was, I believe I was an alcoholic when he was, I was drinking normally. So one dad was um, an alcoholic and mom wasn't. Then all of a sudden dad goes to rehab, comes home. And then I start going into my demise. Um, and did, did he make any ultimatums or anything or what was it like? Um, you know, not, he, he never made ultimatums, I think, cause he learned the way to, you know, um, I mean, we've gotten several fights about it, but it was always, um, he, you know, as the more I started drinking and blacking out, I would black out and just not remember things and say, get in fights with him and say nasty things to him and, you know, drunk texting and, um, you know, just fight, just unmanageable, so unmanageable. And, um, and then just so, and I never knew what unmanageable and powerless meant until I was like, I have to drink every day. I would feel hungover. And I'm like, you know, by four or five, I'd had to drink. I was powerless. I couldn't stop. Um, and then my kids, you know, I embarrassed my, um, I embarrassed my kids. I embarrassed him at parties and, you know, work functions. And I know his parents, people were saying things to him, like Dana's just out of control what's going on and you know over the years at football games and lacrosse games just really embarrassing um and and I just didn't know you know I just didn't know how bad I was and it makes you feel I, at least I remember when you were just talking about like blacking out and you wake up the next day and you're like oh my god what did I do what did I yeah. say and then having a sober spouse it must have been just so like how do I get out of this how? Yeah, it was, um, yeah, like the anxiety every day of just like, what did I say? Who do I offend? Or if I was out somewhere, I was would think like, oh, did I offend so-and-so's daughters? You know, it was just, it was horrible in the mornings, you know, but then I would think, oh, the drinking doesn't change me. It just makes me happier at night. And I would do it. And then the next day, I just felt terrible. And then I was in a horrible um you know, my daughter was in high school at the time and it was just, you know, as a freshman, really, um, that's when I really started um, really getting bad, just drinking like a bottle a night, a liter of wine a night, which is a lot. Um, and that's all I drank was wine. But, and, you know, we just started fighting. I was fighting with her and I know I was embarrassing her. And I remember being at a lacrosse game and just being so loud. And that's when Snapchat first came in and, you know, kids were Snapchatting me yelling and just being a complete crazy person on the sidelines. And, you know, she would text dad, tell mom to stop. She's so embarrassing. And, you know, so, and then she would always say to my husband, um, dad, you have to help mom. She needs rehab. She would say to my husband all the time, mom needs rehab, do something. Um, and I just, she didn't really, you know, my kids never went to like Alateen or anything. Um, and my husband, I don't know if he didn't know what to do or if he was just waiting for me because he knew if I wasn't ready, what was the point? Um, so that was really sad to think, you know, and I kept saying to my daughter, I'm sorry, I'm going to get, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. And, you know, she would say, sure, that's what you've said in the past. And I did try to get sober, um, you know maybe a year before I actually got sober and I lasted like five days because I didn't have the tools. I didn't do what I was, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And were you mortified like I was to be like, admit like, oh my God, I'm an alcohol. I mean, I know he's one, but. Right. He, right. Me, yeah. Yes. 
I felt even sometimes now I'm just like, Ooh, cause it just, I guess growing up thinking of alcoholics that we had in town, I was just like, Oh my God, I don't want to be like them. And, um, you know, so this, the shame and the stigma of alcoholism, it's so bad. That's why I love your podcast. Cause you're just taking that shame and stigma out of it. Um, you know, like you said, presidents are alcoholics, Congress, so many people are alcoholics just from jail to Yale. Um, and I just, yeah, it was, um, just a really bad, bad time. And he just, my husband just hung in there and, you know, he kept saying, you got to put a plug in the jug and you got to stop and we're worried about you. And I would just say, I know, I know, I know, but then continued to do it, continued to drink. And what was the final straw? You know, it was, I think, um, embarrassing things. It's a lot of it revolves around my youngest daughter. Cause she was home. My other two were in college or out of college. Um, just embarrassing her so many times and um, trying to stop. And um, I don't even know. I just, it was one Monday morning and I just had sat on the side of my bed and um, I called my friend who was in AA um, and she, and I just said, I want to stop. Can you meet me at a meeting? And she said, well, I can't meet you at a meeting, but I'll meet you after the meeting. Um, and I went to this meeting and in, in town and um, I met some women there, which is like the connection, the women just get you through. And then, so the three of us, we all went out to breakfast afterward. And I remember it was snowing and it was, I cried during the whole meeting. I remember where it was, it was a speaker meeting and I just cried and I just, I, I felt all um, swollen, you know, like that feeling of hangover where your eyes are swollen and you're just, your body feels terrible and your mind feels terrible. And I just, was crying at breakfast. And I remember going into my pocketbook and taking out an airport bottle of Chardonnay, an empty one. You know, I was like, wow, look what I just found because, you know, I always had wine, whether at home or in my pocketbook. Um, and so there I started meeting women. I started going into um, meetings around town, AA meetings. I never went to rehab. Um, I got connected with one of my friends who's still a great friend who lives in Florida. She was my first sponsor. And it was hard, you know? And it was funny because the first year, my husband and I, um, you know, when I was six months, he started going off the rails because he wasn't doing the proper work about having, okay, now I'm sober. Now I'm going out all the time with sober friends. And, um, you know, my daughter was like, mom, you're going out more now than you ever did, you know, to meetings and just sober things. And then and he wasn't. So he was, I guess he was starting to feel neglected and it was a, you know, I remember at six months, it was bad. He was, he was sick. Like he said, he just, he didn't know how to deal with me being sober and, you know, all that entailed. Um, but then he started doing the work again. He had stopped doing the work. He'd stopped going to meetings. And so he started going to meetings, started sponsoring people again and started doing that whole thing. So, which was great because that got him, you know, back into doing Everything. It's very interesting because how I've heard so many marriages, unfortunately, that they fall apart yeah. because one spouse is like, "All right, I'm sober. I'm doing the meeting thing," and the other one is like, "Now what do I do?" And sober or not, so I mean, it's just such yeah. a dip. And the fact that you guys managed is amazing. It is, and I, yeah, and I was. People would be like, "Oh, you're so lucky. Your husband's sober." And I, at first, I was like, "No, I'm not lucky. I don't like it. I don't like him at being at meetings. I don't want to talk to him about it." And you know, I wanted to stay separate from his. Um, but I'm better with that now. 
it took me a while, but yeah, it's because it's such an individual thing, but then it's such a family thing, right? Because it does, it affects everybody. Mm -hmm. It's truly family. And I wish I, again, I wish I just had more information about how it affected everybody. You know. Thought back, I love that you got invested with a bunch of women and you knew yeah. what it was and you weren't that scared to call this friend. I'm sure you were kind of scared, right? Because it yeah. is scary to do that, right? And say, oh my gosh, the gig's up. I need help. Yeah. Yeah, it was scary. And it was just weird how, you know, it was just, um, it was weird how like that morning I just decided I'm done drinking. And um, yeah, then meeting other women and going to meetings was very scary you know, walking in because I knew nothing about it and everything they did before the meeting and raising your hand. And it was just terrifying. Um, I remember a friend that I just met and it was because I got sober at the end of January and it was February and um, I was sober two weeks and my girlfriend, we were, we were supposed to have a meeting at a friend's house on a Sunday morning or no, the meeting was canceled because there's a blizzard or bad snowstorm. And my one girlfriend said, nope, we're still doing a meeting because I was, I was only two weeks sober. So we had a meeting at her house with two other women. And I remember her husband going out and getting us fruit. And I just remember thinking like, oh my gosh, there's a major snowstorm, but you still cared enough to have a meeting at your house for me. You know, that was just amazing. Um, it's amazing what we will do for each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's one of my best friends today. She just, um, yeah, I think women, once you get, you get, if you get connected right at the get-go, yeah. it really helps. It just, um, it helps that it, cause it is a scary thing. You don't understand anything. No, it's a total game changer. And I, and with your husband not pushing you, which I think was also on his part, a really good thing. And, yeah. and you've said like, Oh, I wish I could have gone, but it's like exactly the way that God wanted it to go, you know? Right. right. Like if it hadn't, maybe he would have pushed me to rehab and I would have gone and come out and, you know, said, forget it. Right. You have um, no idea. Like it happened yeah. like divinely. We always want to go back and say, well, I wish it was going to be this way, but then it happens that way. And you could get to that place where you're like, I don't regret my past. I don't want to shut the right. door. And it happened the exact way God wanted it to happen. Right. Like that saying, yeah, regretting your path. Cause it is, it, it, it's what made today, you know, the way I am today. It's, um, but yeah, there's a lot, it was just, it was a tough time, but I did it. I kept going to meetings and I kept talking and, you know, I just kept doing it. Um, I don't know what kept me going. I definitely, you know, I believe God. I definitely, I have no, I had never had a problem believing God. I think that's what kept me going. You know, sometimes I would drive after work, like that bewitching hour, like Friday at five. Um, and I'd be like, oh God, I want to go to the package store and buy wine. You know, then all of a sudden I would end up home, you know? So it was like, I, you know, I, I believe that was God just guiding me to go home and just deal with it. Well, and I'm sure your youngest, because she was home yeah. and I know how girls are, right? They like to tell us what to do. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what not to do and how weird we are. <laughs> and she probably kept her, she probably kept her eye on you, didn't she? She did. Yeah. And I think she was just so mad. You know, I think she was still so mad at me. You know, I expected to be like, oh my God, embraced by her. Like you're sober. Like just, it took her quite a long time to be like, congratulations. Cause you know, I did a lot of damage to her. I embarrassed, you know, it was hard time for her. Um, 
so it took quite a while for her to say, mom, I'm so proud of you. And um, it's like, she sometimes, didn't we, didn't you, at least for me, I wanted like, I wanted a tiara. I wanted a red yes. carpet that came and said, yes. look at how good mom's been. She's like, yes. not drinking. <laughs> yes. Where's my party or my parade? Hey, it's a year. I want a vacation. I'm a year sober. Yeah. It was just, I expected everyone just to like call, you know, say, oh my God, you're amazing. You know? It's still hard. Now, how was it for you during the pandemic? It, you know, it was, it was totally fine because I work at a pediatrician's office, so I never stopped working. So it did, and my husband never stopped working. Um, so it didn't really, um, you know, the meetings, I did this, a lot of Zoom meetings. Um, so, but I was fine. I just stayed connecting with girlfriends and, um, you know, I miss like, I miss the in-person meetings. But because I went to work every day, just like normal, I really think that saved me. That's awesome. That's awesome. So that could have been, yeah, that could have right. been. And are you, you're back, you're back with meetings in person now in Connecticut? Yeah, right. most of them, there's still a few um, women's meetings that are, they're going to go back like the end of summer. So that's nice. Yeah. So what, what was it like? Because you just went on a vacation. Yes. One of your favorite spots. What was that like? Tell us. What yes. Um, so I went to Sea Island, Georgia, and it was a business slash um, vacation, business slash fun vacation. It was my, my husband has, it, it was a business trip. And we stayed at this beautiful resort, the Cloisters. And it was just, you know, he would go to the, his business meetings and then would go golfing. So I was, um, I was happy just to go to the beach every day and the pool. And it's beautiful there. Just walk and you know, I even looked up meetings just to see if there were meetings around, but they were too far away. Um, you know, I just like people watching and just, I loved it. And so I went to the beach every single day and every, you know, all I ever drank, and I've been drinking since I was sober six and a half years, they're seltzers and cranberry. It's all I ever drank. I don't, I'm not a mocktail drinker, but that's, and every day at the beach, I would drink like four or five of them because it was 90 degrees and hot. And um, so the day, the last, and I do, I do remember thinking, watching moms with kids holding their plastic glasses of wine throughout the week. And I remember thinking to myself, gosh, you know, feeling a little envious of them because that's what I used to do. And I was just like, why can't I do that anymore? So, but, you know, I know how to, I know how to deal with that. Um, so then second to last, when we were just about to go home the day before, um, the beach waiter came over this cute college kid. And I, just, it was like 1030 in the morning. And I just said, Oh, can I just have a seltzer and cranberry? And he's like, well, we don't have, we just have peach seltzer. So I was like, well, that's fine. But then I thought to myself, Oh, that's weird. Why wouldn't they have seltzer every, you know, I thought maybe the bar isn't open for the seltzer gun. So he brought me this big plastic cup of peach seltzer and I had oranges in it. And, um, I was so thirsty and I, started drinking it and I kept drinking it. And I was like, gosh, this is so peachy. It was just like, it was just, I'm not a peachy person. <laughs> it, you know, if I was going to relapse, it would be Chardonnay. I, I would not choose seltzer. And then I just kept drinking it and I drank the whole thing. Um, and then I was even chewing my oranges. And then all of a sudden I just felt like it just hit me like, oh my God, this is alcohol. This is a seltzer, like a white claw, like our kids drank, you know, like that type of seltzer. Um, and I just knew it. And all of a sudden it just kind of hit my body and, you know, women in shame, I was too ashamed or too scared to go find the waiter and say, excuse me, was there alcohol in that? You know, I felt 
stupid. Um, but I felt it in my body and I knew I had just drank. Um, and I was, so my first thing was I sat there and I was like, well, I could just not tell anybody and just not worry about it. But I knew that would mess with my mind. Um, and I just started feeling yucky. Like I had a stomach ache. It was all just in a matter of minutes. Um, and then I just panicked because my biggest fear was that it was kind of opening like Pandora's box of, oh my God, I started the obsession. And th that physical obsession is what I, I just couldn't stand that. Um, so, and I just remember being so scared and panicked and I was like, what do I do? So I was like, I'm gonna go call my sponsor. Um, but before I even thought that I got up from the beach chair and I could tell I was not drunk, not really buzzed, but just kind of, I felt, I felt slurry, but I almost felt like I was walking quick stand, like that kind of feel, weird feeling. It wasn't a nice feeling at all. It was gross. Um, and I just remember, and I said out loud, I said, Reed, who was my new grandson. Um, and I just started bawling because I was like, oh my gosh, thinking about what I could lose and what I would lose if I were to drink. And it was him, you know, the thing I love most, um, or close to most, the thing I love the best, you know, this amazing little boy. And I was like, I could never, my kids would never let me watch him if I was drunk. And um, so that I just went up, found a spot in the hotel outside bawling and I called, um, it was in the morning. So it was funny. My sponsor answered, you know, most, it was a normal, it was like a Monday morning and I told her what happened and she was great. You know, she said, it's happened to me. Did you do it intentionally? I said, no. And she said, did you order another one? I said, no. She goes, well, it's up to you. You could either order another one or you're done. I mean, you're, you know, you're not, it was a mistake. Um, so she talked me off the ledge and then I even went, I put my finger down my throat. I was trying to throw up to get it out of me. Um, like my sister-in-law said, it's like you recoiled from a hot flame. Um, you know, just my body, it's like my, luckily I retrained myself. My body knew that this was bad and just to try to get rid of it. And then I called my friend Winter, um, who's the one that I had the meet at her house in the, in the snow. And she never picks up either. She's a chef. She delivers, she was delivering food and it was early in the morning, like 10, 30, 11, she picked up and I was hysterical. And she was like, what happened? And I told her and she was great. She's like, you don't have to reset your date. You know, she's 30 years. And she just told me, you know, it was a mistake and um, go do something, you know, do something about it. Um, so I went and I talked to her, I talked to them and then I felt a little bit better. But I was still so kind of freaked out about it that I went for a long, I walked four miles on the beach. Um, and I just talked to God the entire time. And I just said, you know, I don't even know what I said, but I just know I talked to God and I just was just so afraid of like, oh my, just so afraid, like this is going to start all over again. I was just so afraid of my body saying, okay, you had one drink this morning. Now it's time I need another because that's how it used to be. You know, you have one drink and then the obsession starts. Oh my gosh. Well, so when you talked about your grandson, I was like, oh my God. I know. I was thinking at the beginning, I'm like, he's never going to see his grandmother. You know, he's so right. Lucky. He's got these sober grandparents. I mean, how amazing is that? It how is to have, right. Like we can take him skiing. We can do all the sorts of thing. And his parents won't be like, oh gosh. Right. You know? And um, just and there's so many people I think that when that happens they just they, it, they just fall down the rabbit hole 
yeah. and you can't get up. So you did the best thing you could do. You told on yourself, right? Yeah. Because I think that's our secrets are what make us sick. Right. And that's what I thought of when I thought like, I don't have to tell anybody it was a mistake. I didn't order a drink. I didn't mean, I did not want to drink. Um, but I knew that, you know, I knew that was wrong and I knew it would just mess with my mind. Yeah. So, um, so I took a long four mile walk. I got all sorts of blisters on my feet because the sand was so hard <laughs> and hot. And then I went and I just kind of went and sat down on the beach again and just kind of, you know, I just felt odd. I just was like, oh, just to be, because I've never really been careful about, you know, if I order a seltzer and cranberry, I just assume that's what I'm getting. Right. Um, and then I just went, I had lunch, I got a chocolate milkshake. And then, you know, I went back to our hotel and I sat on the terrace and just thought about it and prayed and just, my husband got back from golf and I told him, he was like, well, you know, he said the same thing, my friends, my sponsor said. Um, so it was really just, you know, it was God's grace just kept me from that. You know, how they say like the first drink um, will get you if you're not spiritually fit. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, thank God I was spiritually fit. Cause right. You said, I, I just, I mean, nobody was around. Nobody knows me there. My husband's gone all day. It would be so easy to just say, Oh, I already had one. What's a few more. And then that would start the whole hamster wheel going and going. And, um, you know, I didn't want that dread and the shame of that horrible, yucky feeling of the day after. And my little read, you know, that was, a, and my daughters and my kids, you know, it was just everything. It's just because our life becomes, it becomes so rich, right? We, at least for me, I thought when I get sober, I'm going to be so bored. There's nothing going on. Right. It's yeah. me. I'm going to have nothing to do. And now is there enough hours in the day? Right. There's always stuff to do. And like, right. Look at all your activities you're doing. There's just so much, you know, when I was drinking, I remember a nurse at the office I worked for, she was, she would go on trips um, every weekend with her kids as a chaperone, a skiing trip. And I remember thinking like, God, I would love to do that, but I have to drink at five o'clock. Yeah. You know, like that's what I missed out on and just kind of um, never being present, you know, always thinking like, okay, well, I'll, you know, like talking to say my daughter, well, I have to run out to the package, you know, just not being present and just having the unmanageability of, wine just took over my life like they say it's your best friend and it was my best friend oh for sure and you were to give advice to somebody who's out there and they're like oh my gosh I don't know what I'm gonna do if I quit I'm gonna be so bored and I don't have anything else to do what would you say to them um I I totally understand because that's probably how I was because it was just so new and I just um, and my friend would always say, just believe, just know that I believe, so you need to believe. Um, and I just, I would understand. Um, but you know, you just, if you want it bad enough, you'll do it. And thank God for me, I just prayed every day. I really believed, you know, in the morning, just ask God, please keep me sober and remove the obsession from me. And for me going to AA 12 step meetings, um, that's how I got sober. That's how I met these women. And, you know, we're always going out, you know, girls trips. I just was down in Florida for um, my, my girlfriend's wedding shower. And we had a five-day sleepover at my girlfriend's house. And we were all sober every, you know, we had dinners at night and our other friend flew down from North Carolina. And 
we're all sober in the pool, going to dinner, shopping, everything. And I never would have wanted to do that if I was drinking. I'd be like, oh, now I'll stay behind because I want to drink. And, you know, my, my kids respect me and they just, it's a different, and I just feel better about myself. I think that's what it is. I just feel, I don't feel like a creep and like a loser mom, especially moms, because we have such shame about, you know, the things that we do, I think, especially with our kids, um, you know, and it's that disease just wants you to drink. It wants you to want to drink. And I think, you know, like they say, one day at a time, you just have to keep at it one day at a time. I listen to podcasts galore. That helped me. Um, there's so many more now in the last few years, but that really just like your podcast I found and I just loved it because it just, it made me realize like, this is, this is good. It's okay. Yeah. You know, you made it normal. Like it's okay. It's not such an odd thing. And you do have fun. There's, you meet amazing people. You know, and, and you don't have to be a slave to your bottle. And don't you find, Gina, don't you find it that you become like your authentic self? Like you yeah. always, at least for me, I wanted to be what you wanted me to be and what you wanted me to be and what you wanted me to be. And I was never what I wanted to be. Right. 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 Like with that group of women, I always just, <laughs> I was like, I didn't really have fun sitting there drinking wine with them every night, but I thought, oh, this is, you know, this is what they're doing. So I'm going to do it. And now I can just say, no, like they say, no means no. You know, um, like last weekend I was down in Pennsylvania and my sister-in-law wanted me to go to some boot camp with her in the morning. And I just said, she's like, come on, why don't you want to, and she's in the program. She's awesome. She's like, why don't you want to go with me? Just come on. And I just said, she was like, why? I said, cause I don't want to. <laughs> and normally I would just have to come up with, you know, ex you know, reasons. And now it's just, no, I'm okay. You know? It's that people pleasing. And yes. I just had a girls weekend here and we talked a lot about that. How being, um, excuse me, <coughs> how being our authentic selves is so important today and not saying yes, because everybody else wants us to, but right. saying yes, because we really want to do it. Right. Right. It is important. And it just, um, I think it's a good role model too. If, you know, women have kids and um, yeah, you just become a more authentic person, like you said, and it's just, it's just, you don't have to lie. You don't have to lie. No, it's like somebody said, wouldn't you love going to Mount Kilimanjaro and climbing it? And I'm like, no, thank you. I do. I know. <laughs> the last thing I'd want to do. <laughs> exactly. You want to go, but I don't want to go, but I'll stay in the hotel and just go do fun things. And yeah. Life's so much more fun when you get to be you instead of wanting to be somebody else. It is. It's not, you know, sometimes I still get a little anxious going out because I drinking, of course, would make you feel a little bit better. But once I'm out, I'm fine. You know, it's my own mind thinking like, um, but yeah, you just, it's, it's just, you can be yourself. And then when I, when you're around, like you notice things, like I know in your podcast, you say you notice the beach, the sand, this, you know, the sky. Um, and it's just different. It's, you know, I don't repeat myself 10 times when I'm out with people. And I just, um, it just, it feels good. When I leave a function or a group of people, it feels good that I'm walking away completely sober. Yeah, and you get to be Dana. Right. 
you know, you get to be Dana and you don't have to be, oh my gosh, I'm sitting here. It's very interesting. I went to a party. Yes. I went to a dinner thing last night and I had a friend with me and she's like, nobody bothered you about the fact that you don't drink. And I said, nope, because I tell everybody, I'm like, yeah, I don't drink anymore. Just so you know, don't offer me a cocktail because there aren't <laughs> enough here. Right. It's not enough. Right. Which is amazing. You know, and I wish we all could do that. That's why I love your podcast and others that it's just okay. And that's how I was the first couple of years of being sober. I would post on Facebook and it was just, you know, oh, my first anniversary. And, um, you know, and I always said to my kids, I'm like, I'm not embarrassed. Tell anybody, tell your friends, tell your teachers, you know, it was okay. Well, I think that if we keep talking about it, the stigma might go away, which is the important thing, I believe, don't you? I think it is because I think, especially for women, I think it's, you know, I think there's a lot of women that probably that I know that would just benefit from coming into like 12 steps, but you do, you feel ashamed. You feel like, you know, just kind of less than, and so you just drink it away and um, the next day you feel yucky and then it just goes again. It's like Groundhog Day. So, if you, so get for, so fit, let's finish this up with you telling, all right, there's a young you listening to this. And they're like, what do I, I, I know I have a problem. I know I do, but what do I do? I know, what do I do? You just call a woman, you know, call. I think that's a call a woman in the program or a program. And then I think, cause like you said, we all take care of each other. And then from there, they will take care of you. They will teach you where to go, what to do. And it just, it'll, it'll make you appreciate sobriety. Like I didn't, I didn't appreciate a sobriety except until I was on the beach when I drank that. And then I, when I thought I lost it, that's when I really appreciated it and thought like, wow, you know, a lot of people don't make it. No. You know, like we were talking about relapse and, you know, people, a lot of years going out and just saying, forget it, I'm done. Yeah. So just we're, the lucky ones, they say we're the lucky ones. And now I understand it. Now I know what that means. Yeah, it's just, it's it's such a gift and it's fleeting. And if we get one day, it just makes us, it's like one day adds to another day, adds to another day. Right. Thank you, Dana, for coming. Oh, on. And, so for, and for the people that are out there, I had such technical difficulties running around like crazy. And Dana has been amazing. I Thank love you. it. I love you. And I love your podcast. And I love you. And the next time you're coming down, we are meeting. Okay. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Yep. I love it. Thank you again. You're welcome. Have a great afternoon. You too. And everybody that's out there, remember to keep getting busy and reach out to me, by the way, reach out to me at Elizabeth at elizabethchance.com or busy at busylivingsober.com. And until next time, keep getting busy living sober. Sober. Bye, everybody. All right, bye.